0: If you're a pop culture junkie who loves TV, film, music, comedy, and other really important stuff, then you've come to the right place. Get ready and settle in for Classic Conversations, the best pop culture interviews in the world. That's right. We circled the globe so you don't have to. If you're ready to be the king of the water cooler, then you're ready for Classic Conversations with your host, Jeff Twoskin.
1: All right, Eric. Thank you so much for that amazing introduction. You get the show going each and every week, and this week was no exception. Welcome, everybody, to episode 302 of Classic Conversations. As always, I am your host, Jeff Dwoskin. Great to have you back for what's sure to be another joyride through Saturday morning television with my guest, Kathy Coleman. That's right. None other than Holly Marshall from Land of the Lost is here. We're plunging a thousand feet together. Tons of great stories. And that's coming up in just a few seconds. And in these few seconds, do not miss the hilarity that was episode 301 with Steve Middleman and John DeBellis, two amazing comedians with amazing stories to boot. But if you want stories, we got stories. Kathleen Coleman. Author of her memoir, Run, Holly, Run, is here. We're talking Land of the Lost and a whole lot more, and that's coming up right now. All right, everyone, I'm excited to introduce my next guest, actor, singer, author. She won her heart, says Holly Marshall. In 1970s, Land of the Lost, author of Run, Holly, Run, the funny and harrowing story that covers my guest's life. Please welcome to the show, pop culture icon, Kathleen
2: Coleman. Hi there. Hi there. Wow. What an introduction. I'm like, who's he talking about? (laughs) (laughs) That was really nice. Thank you, Jeff.
1: Well, you know, it's not every day I get to talk to one of my favorite people that I grew up watching on TV, you know, (laughs) it's like.
2: You know, we, we all, all of us, I'll call us kids, but all the kids that grew up in the 70s. We have this this bond because if you think about it, we all pretty much ate the same food. We watched the same TV. We listened to the same music. And when we come together as a unit, there is that recognition of each, like we recognize each other, like we come from some separate planet or something. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. There's a childhood bond that we have.
1: Absolutely. It was like this special moment in time. Where there was so many cool things that happened. Yeah. I think we all benefited from non-overexposure, right? There were three channels. Right. And now there's like a thousand channels and YouTube, and there's very little commonality between what two people could watch at the same and experience at the same time.
2: Absolutely. And we had to wait. You know, we, you know, the whole excitement of waiting till the till the following week to see an episode and they weren't on rerun. So if you missed it, you had to wait a whole season for them to start showing reruns. So, yeah, the convenience is has been, you know, there's even a con, uh, an app for you to send somebody to like a Seven Eleven to get something for you. So you have you have an app of convenience to send you to a convenience store it's just gotten out of control
1: yeah i know it's it's crazy there's you don't even have to leave the house anymore
2: (laughs) oh i know but that point of that you made about the three channels that is why today we have such a strong fan base because of that that mere fact that you know you watched what was there. And then you got a little selective of what you liked out of that, what was their category. And our fans happened to, you know, bore with Land of the Lost. They loved it. And today we still have people that, you know, were eight years old when they watched it come into our tables at these shows. You know, it's fabulous.
1: It's funny you mentioned like, you know, you know who you grew up with because I was at a party recently and I said, oh, you know, I'm talking to." Kathy Coleman, Land of the Lost, and they're like, "What's Land of the Lost?" Yeah, and I'm like, "Are we not? Are we not the same age?" And it turned out he was like maybe maybe five or ten years older than me. And then I turned to my other buddy, who I knew was my age, I'm like, "Hey, Land of the Lost is coming to the Comic Con in a couple of weeks. We get to take a picture in the raft." And he almost fell over. Yeah, so yeah,
2: excited. I know because even if it's five years now, it can be five years below age range, but because there is a sweet spot, but five years above, they were already off to college by then. So they wouldn't have been watching Saturday morning television.
1: Exactly. Exactly. There was that kind of period of time. You know, it's, do you ever kind of look back and you're like, that was just three years of your life. And it's so important then. And now it's like, it's, it's amazing. Like that part of it's amazing in itself. Right. When you think about it.
2: It's a little waivers on the mind boggling aspect because it will be this well we're already in this year it's 50 years ago that I walked through that door for an audition just like a hundred other auditions that I went on and you never know you just go through a door and you hi how are you it's like your name blah 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 and then the callback come in and you go on another callback and then all of a sudden you're on the third callback wow that's now it's starting to get interesting and then they're wanting you to meet like some of the executives and some of the producers and directors. And then on the fourth callback, I go in and there's Wesley and and they want me to meet Spencer and see how our chemistry is. And then on, I think, either the fourth or fifth one, I walked in and Phil Paley, who played Chaka, I had not only worked with him before Land of the Lost on the Cheez-Its commercial, but he was a friend of mine. And so when I walked in and saw him in there, I'm like, what are you doing? Because sometimes casting agents will cast a few different things all in the same room, like uh, room A is for Land of the Lost, room C is for uh, McDonald's commercial or whatever. So I didn't know what he was there for. And he says, I'm up for this part in a show called Land of the Lost. I said, me too. And he was, you know, tough. So he was cool going up for that. So for three years, we got to uh, hang out on the set and get into all kinds of mischief and have a good time together. Because we're just a year and a couple of months apart. So
1: on the set, you and Phil being roughly the same age, because Wesley was like, well, like 10 plus a little. So there was a little different. I know you're really close now. And to I want to get to like that reunion and renewed friendship and stuff now. But back then... Like, I, I talked to Wesley, and so somebody who is, you were what, 12 at the time? Yeah. Uh, so, so he's in his early 20s. So, his memories and probably awareness of what was going on is a little probably different than yours. So, was it did you like what do you remember specifically about it? Cause you were younger. This was probably,
2: you know, I just actually thought of this when you asked that question, cause I have been asked this question a million times, and I always sort of have a go to of what I say. But for some reason, you sparked something in me just now. He was sort of the in the middle. Like, okay, keep in mind, Phil and I were the kids on the show, and then there were all these adults, whether they were the crew or producers or the directors. they were all, uh, the teachers, the welfare workers. Everybody was all adults, and then there was Phil and I, makeup, wardrobe. But Wesley was sort of that go-between because he he still was he could fit into the adult crowd, but he would. Come into our lane every once in a while, you know. Not every once in a while, but he could relate to us easier because he was closer in age to us, and and he was he couldn't have been sweeter. Our whole family was so tight on that set. Everybody,
1: it's funny because I watched a clip of you guys, you the three of you, uh, you Wesley and Phil at a Comic Con, kind of a panel, and you and Wesley have this brother sister dynamic. But, and when I was rewatching some of the episodes, it's the same dynamic.
2: <laughs> I know. Uh, only it's gone through phases. Like, you know, when I got married and had kids, you know, there was some like a, a breather there because I was busy with my life. He was busy with his life. But we keep, we come together and then we get apart and then we come together, and get apart. But this last time within these last 10 years or so, Maybe twelve years when we came together, those allotments of time that we go apart or whatever kept getting smaller and smaller. And now I live down the street from him, so. <laughs> you know. But we can say and do and be anything around each other like a true brother and sister. And he's I depend on him. I as like a confidant. I trust him with my life, and we get along famously.
1: That's amazing. So, 12 year old Kathleen on the set of Land of the Lost, were you aware of Wesley? Because he was on
2: Days of Our Lives. I did not know his career at all. Like, I knew he was on Days of Our Lives because he, and I wasn't really, like, I didn't really know Days of Our Lives at the time. Like, I knew it was a soap, but I didn't, like, I wasn't like a follower of the show. Because he would half the day he would be on the set of days we're live. The other half he'd come in and, and work with us. And so I was aware of it, but I I didn't know he didn't know who I was when he met me and I didn't know what who he was when I met him. But our chemistry just connected and that's why we each or at least why I got hired. He was sort of hand selected by Sid. I interviewed off the streets, you know, and um or through my agency, but I mean, I, I was not, like, friends with the Crofts at all.
1: Got it. What what was the whole audition process like? Because it was a long process, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, I went on about seven callbacks, because they just kept introducing me to people, you know? I mean, there's there's all those, like, NBC executives, you have to meet them, and, and the director, and the producers, and then you're mixed with, you know, one actor and then the next one comes in and then they want to see the family dynamic and and then oh well there wasn't these executives there when when the directors and producers saw the three of you together so we need to have another meeting where they can see it i just know that i went back seven times before they finally sent to me you got the job and my mom had made me a promise that because i'd done like i'd been with a band for two years when i was 10 to 12 And I'd done like theater and I had done a bunch of commercials. My mom had always said to me, if you ever land a series because of the cost of owning a horse, you know, you have to board them and they're expensive. She said that she would buy me a pony. So the day that they told me and we went in with my agent and signed the contracts, that afternoon, my mom took me out and I got Comanche my pony. (laughs) And and then I talked about him nonstop on the set. That's all I wanted to talk about was Comanche this, Comanche that. And the writers finally wrote him into the script. I got a name on TV. Yeah.
1: Okay. So you got the same name.
2: That's awesome. Mm-hmm. They had to. I probably would have never shut up. So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's so funny. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about Spencer Milligan. Like just in terms of like everyone I talk to as a TV dad, they're they're a TV dad forever.
2: He was a TV dad to me, but he was also like a dad to me because I didn't, I never had one. So he took on a really, what word do I want to use? Um, it's just a, an important, you know, part of my life. I, I gravitated towards him and, and he adored me and I, and I just loved him. And he, he treated me like a daughter and I was so receptive of it. I just loved it. So, yeah, I love Spencer. And to this day, you know, when I've seen him, you know, in recent years, he treats me like his daughter. And I will tell him, I, you know, I feel just like your daughter, Spencer. And he'll say, what are you talking about? It's because you are. You are my daughter. And he looks at me with those big, huge blue eyes. You know, and I saw him like about five years ago. He was in such terrific shape. You can't believe it. Like I kept telling it, Spencer, you know, people, when they get up, you know, in age, they start to like, you know, lose their shape and everything. He looked like a million bucks. That's amazing. Yeah, he looked terrific. He has like a young, like figure, you know what I mean? He looks fabulous.
1: So based on your relationship alone with him, it must have been tough for him to leave after season two. It must have been devastating for you when he left.
2: Oh, I was heartbroken. And then they had me do all the auditions for the person, to the Uncle Jack role to replace him. So I read with a whole bunch of different men that came in auditioning for the part. And I picked Ron Harper for that role. I told him he's my favorite, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it was never the same. I, he just couldn't replace Spencer.
2: No, no. And to this day, Spencer apologizes and tells us he's so sorry that he abandoned us but it wasn't not really how it went you know he was trying to negotiate for all of us and and they weren't budging and he said then you know then i walk." and they said well then you walk and so he did he was a man of his word you know and that's hard to come by in hollywood
1: it was over kind of um your rights, right, in terms of like the merchandise.
2: Merchandise, yeah.
1: So he was a little bit ahead of his time then.
2: I know, I know, which in today's film industry, that is where everything is, is in the merchandising.
1: So yeah, he was uh, he, he was on the right path there. He bad. was
2: in for pennies, pennies, and an equal share between the four of us because whoever's face landed on that lunchbox game board coloring book golden book you know all the toys that followed he wanted us all to get a a cut
1: sorry to interrupt have to take a quick break i do want to thank everyone for their support of the sponsors when you support the sponsors you're supporting us here at classic conversations and that's how we keep the lights on and now back to my amazing conversation with kathleen coleman all right, so then they had to uh, redo the theme song. <laughs> Wesley
2: went back into the
1: studio. So here's my question. I know Wesley has a lovely voice, but like you said, you were in a band, you sang also. How come uh, how come you didn't how come it wasn't a duet or how come you guys both didn't sing or how well
2: come- well I actually send in the tape and they picked Wesley. Oh, they asked me for one, but um, I didn't sing like the theme song. And, you know, all I had at the time with my vocals on it was I had just done because Wesley did the first one. And then when I think I got asked when he was rebooting or redoing it for the third season with the Uncle Jack thing. And the only thing, like I said, that had my vocals on it was the Macy's Day Parade, which I had done like maybe the year before. And I sang Somewhere Over the Rainbow. and. That song, I can only imagine when they heard it, they must have thought, "Yeah, that doesn't kind of quite go, or vocals don't quite go with what we're looking for." Because they wanted something more twangy, with you know the banjo kind of like a little more hearty. I would say,
1: "You want to do it right now? You want to do it right now? We'll record it. We'll go viral."
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually don't. I have been screaming and singing. I'd sing it. No, I no.
1: I was kidding. I was just joking.
2: <laughs> and Holly Marshall, as the earth beneath them trembled, lost their father through the door of time. Uncle Jack went searching and found the kids at last, looking for a way to escape. Escape, escape from the land of the lost. There you go. And I'm sorry I like hit that one note um in the beginning and I cracked and cracked. <laughs> but
1: that was one of the most amazing moments in my life. Thank you very much, Kathleen. <laughs> so, um, I found because I had heard about this cheese commercial and I love my favorite snack in the world. But uh, I found the commercial. It is on YouTube. So, it's uh that was hardcore 70s
2: commercial, right? It was
1: all 70s. So, it was uh...
2: my very first commercial that I ever did for a place called Shakey's Pizza and uh, i played goldilocks in it and that too is also um if you type in after we're finished this interview if you type in kathy coleman landville or not i lost kathy coleman shaggy's pizza commercial it'll pop up and that's i think i'm five in that commercial it's awesome that is really cool it's cool that they you i can still find those things
1: yeah it's it's amazing what people uh dig up on the uh, internet. You did, uh, you did McDonald's commercials, Kool-Aid commercials. You did, you did a lot of commercials. You, you got your agent when you were six years old, five or six, five or six. So there was six years before Land of the Lost, where you were.
2: I did my the very first thing I ever did was I was um, Baby June and Gypsy at the Civic Light Opera. Um, I did that, and then I went on to doing commercials, and then I got gig with the band and we did two national tours and i got to perform with some of the heavies of that time period like burt Bagrat, bob hope george burns helen riddy i mean i was with like big name like celebrities and i got to travel and sing and dance and do the the show with them
1: this is the mike curb congregation that would be the one (laughs) so what was it like i mean like so this is pre Land of the Law, so, All right. so you're hanging with some some big names before. Who was of that list that you named? Do you remember, were there any of them specifically like extremely memorable, like Bob Hope or Helen Reddy or?
2: Well, well, two. One like Telly Savalas. I did a, a show with him, and I just remember because Kojak, of course, was out at the time, and I just remember sitting on his lap like we were on stage waiting for something and I sat on his lap and we were laughing and, and talking and he's just one of those really cool kind of guys that just says hey kid you know and, and you feel real comfortable with him He was very warm and uh I saw because his jacket his coat jacket was a little open and no kidding there was about four Tootsie Pop things in there <laughs> and he I go you actually really eat those and he goes yeah you want one I go yes you do so that that just I don't know I know that's a silly memory but he was really nice Michael Landon uh, Bob Crane those people were all like they did like really nice things for me um Elizabeth Montgomery was just this stunning beauty that I saw in and in, in her all her wonderment at an NBC press party and just stared at her for about 10 minutes because she was surrounded she looked like the like a virgin video with Madonna with all the guys in tuxedos around her you know and, and she just was just this beautiful woman. I mean, just that kind of stuff. And then when I was on stage with Burt Backrack and Helen Reddy and George Burns, we, we did a show at the Schubert Theater. And uh, she, I'm singing I Am Woman. And, and it was just very funny to me that I was only like 10 and a half or 11 maybe. And I'm belting at the top of my lungs, I am woman. And I'm holding her hand, and I had her back rack on the other side of me, George Burns, and on the other side of her.
1: That's awesome, though.
2: Really yeah. cool. Yeah. So, yeah. Every, I mean, I don't I don't think I ever, during that course of time, ever met anybody that wasn't nice. I was a kid, so they were
1: all all pretty cool to me. Did the sleesack scare you on Land of the Lost or any of those things?
2: <laughs> no, they were all like UCLA, USC basketball players, and they were young at that point. And they basically, those sleeve stack costumes are wetsuits, like surfer wetsuits, and uh, they would have them like pulled down, like to their hips, and they just had like white V-neck T-shirts on. Um, because fully suited up, we could only film for. Something like thirty seconds, or maybe maybe forty five seconds at a time with them in a shot, because with the lights and fully suited, masked up, and everything, they had to like really keep it very brief with them. So yeah, no, they were all really nice guys. And then come to find out how famous Bill Lambier got, you know, because he was one of the the Detroit Pistons, and I used to brag about it like crazy, you know. Once I got wind of how popular he was, I was like, you know, Bill Lambier was one of our slea stacks until I watched that Michael Jordan special. I didn't realize he was really a bad boy. Like he was like the bad boy of basketball.
1: Yeah, he's uh I'm in Detroit right now. So the Detroit Pistons. That's uh Bill Lambier's our guy. Yeah, the Detroit bad boys.
2: He was a bad boy. Oh yeah. That was a
1: whole thing. That that whole uh bad boys kind of uh logo that they had at the time it's like making a comeback now too
2: oh that's funny they should put a sleeve stack head on it
1: (laughs) that would be amazing
2: that sleeve stack head is so iconic it shows up everywhere i mean and in the most unlikely places like i just was with um these friends of mine that or the husband is in a heavy metal band and um, he's friends with the the lead singer of Metallica. And Metallica has like the largest like toy collection and our stuff is a good portion of his collection and his, on his Christmas or his New Year wish to everybody, it was a stack with stack with a Santa hat on.
1: That's incredible.
2: And and I think he, the sleestack stack in front of the sleestack. stack, there was that Grim Reaper like thing that you cut grass or whatever with that thing that oh like a sickle sickle yeah yeah you know it, it is a heavy metal band it just pops up in in places you wouldn't expect
1: do you have a favorite land of the lost pop culture reference is there any like where you're like that was the coolest thing like that you just
2: oh well, a couple like when what's that? our tune family guy family guy when he sang it on that audition. That was cool. I thought. One time unexpectedly watching Jeopardy, it was a question. I thought that was really cool that we made it to Jeopardy. I to this day, being on a golden book to me is such an honor because I grew up with those books in my house. I that, gosh, I there's been a, a ton of like, oh, I once was in an, in a, a club like a, a, a nightclub bar slash bar or whatever. And I was sitting at those tall like stools in a little round table and I was sitting there and there were two guys next to me and they said, um, oh God, here comes a couple of sleet stacks. And they were referencing it to these two girls that were coming in. And I thought to myself, if they only knew who was sitting next to them, you know,
1: (laughs) (laughs) do you and Wesley get recognized in your hometown?
2: No, not really. Not anymore. You know, no. But we do, if we play the Land of the Lost game and we say, "Can I ask you a question, you know, no ego attached or anything, but did you ever watch Land of the Lost? They're like, oh, God, yeah. And then we tell them. <laughs> we placate them for a little bit, but then we tell them, and they're like, no way. And they get all, like, crazy. First and first in disbelief, and then once we, you know, say, yeah, no. It, it, why would we just randomly say that we were, you know? <laughs> a kind of a strange thing to comp to. Cough to. That would be. Is it uh,
1: accurate? Your mom is responsible for the Holly white checkered shirt, bang braids look. You know, Wesley gives
2: her full credit. I, I would have to go along with him on that because that's how my mom dressed me for the interview. And then they just sort of adapted it. Yeah. Let's get let's give that to my mom. All right. And she did my hair every day. They had a hairdresser. My mother would not let them touch my hair. She said, "I'll, you can do all of her makeup, but let me do the hair. Because my mom didn't like it. I don't have big ears or anything wrong with my ears or anything. When people usually do braids, they put them behind the ear. And my mom never liked that look. She kind of liked it half and half, like a little bit of your ear exposed and then the, the hair covering part of it. And so she said, nobody knew how to do it that way. So she would do it.
1: Then I think your mom fully deserves the iconic look. Yeah.
2: Mom deserves a lot of credit. If it weren't for her, I would not be, uh, we wouldn't be talking today, you know, for many of the obvious reasons. But she really, her and my, all my siblings, you know, were all played a part in, in helping me with my career, some more than others. Like my sister that she just recently passed, but. She was the president of the land of the lost fan club.
1: That is amazing that she was the president of your fan club and and my condolences. Sorry for your loss. Thank you.
2: Yeah, she was a she was my cheerleader, my, you know, she was everything. But yeah, 15 years old. And this is back, keep in mind in the 70s, where she was writing to every responding. She and I, I would get like all my fan mail. And she and I would go through it and, you know, answer all the questions. And some people would ask us to call them. And, you know, we were like partners in crime. We, we did it together. And it was fun. That's awesome. Yeah.
1: Because you, you came from, you had a big family, right? You were youngest of 10.
2: Yeah. It's just three years older than me. But she was, uh, she was my biggest uh, cheerleader. That's for sure. I did want
1: to talk about Erica Hagen.
2: Oh, yeah. Uh, she was, she was a magical part of my life. I was so impressionable at that age. And, you know, I yes, I had sisters in my house, but they weren't, like, super, like, feminine kind that, that she was like. And so that was a piece of, like, what I wanted in my life that I didn't have. So I just was like a magnet to her. I I just loved it. I loved everything about her. I loved the way she she did everything. And she was so beautiful. And she was so sweet to me. And she you know, I wound up hanging out with her throughout doing the show at her house. And she came out to see me at my house. And she actually even went with me to the ranch and everything. And she was a meat lady. She was and you know, the story, I don't need to share it, but what she did for me when I was at her house. Right, right. Just been a real uh, huge influence on me.
1: As we talk about Land of the Lost, the Run, Holly, Run is your memoir. And there's a lot, a lot, a lot of great stories. It's an amazing book. So everyone who wants to dive even more into Kathleen Coleman needs to get that.
2: 40 years after um, I asked her, I told huge influence she was on me. You know, nobody knows that you're privately like just looking at every single move they make you know nobody knows that unless you tell them you know and i guess i didn't tell her but in my mind i was like beaming it it seemed like i was beaming that i i said oh gosh yeah i watched every move you made if you did it i wanted to be able to do it she wound up writing the intro to my book for me and uh she said oh what an honor do this and so that really made me happy shortly after that we lost her and um, I was just so grateful that I got to see her one last time, and and that I got that wonderful story that she wrote in the intro um, in my book.
1: Erica played future you in Elsewhen,
2: which is my good episode. Needless to say,
1: <laughs> it, it's a great episode written by DC Montana. Yeah, it was interesting because I, I watched I watched it, and I watched it with DC's commentary, and it, it's really interesting. Like. I talked a little bit about this with Wesley too, but like how deep Land of the Lost really was. Like the mythology of the show and all the nuances, it was it was not a dumbed down science fiction show at all. If anything, it was well above our heads and I'm probably just understanding it now as I watch it, if I may. Mean.
2: <laughs> uh, David Gerald, who was our head writer, and I'm sure Wesley probably already told you this, but he said he didn't want to write a sci-fi show for children. He wanted to write a sci-fi show that aired on Saturday morning the children could watch. But he never wanted to speak down to them. He wanted to just give it to them as it was and have them come up to it, not go down to them, but come up to it. And they did. They they were like hungry for it. And they, they wanted to know more and more and more, you know, like little sponges. Yeah, it's amazing. Did you watch any of the Croft shows before Land of the Lost? Um, probably Lidsville uh, Puff and Stuff Sigmund or I don't know if Sigmund was I think I watched Sigmund too I remember at one point they had a nighttime show with puppets and I don't know I don't know really like exactly what years each of those I know Puff and Stuff was their first show so I know that was way before us but I don't know exactly if we were before Lids or uh Sigmund and the Sea Monsters or not but I definitely watched you know those those shows we just as a matter of fact had a mini little reunion where both johnny and scott were there with us and uh and then of course sharon baird joined us she plays saw like chaka's mom on land lost but she has been in every single craft show as, like, one of their main characters, she was also the youngest member of the Mickey Mouse Club, or not the youngest member, but one of the original Mickey Mouse Club members, Sharon. Oh, wow. Ray, right. She joined us at a show recently. So, yeah. All right. So, you mentioned it's 50 years
1: this year, but about, what about 20, 25 years ago, the Land of the Lost came out on DVDs. Is that about right? Was it, well, regardless of the exact amount of time. Right. I didn't mean to stump you on. I didn't mean to stump you on the time. Yeah, twenty years that. <laughs> what I was trying to get at was: was that the moment of resurgence for you when, like, the Comic Cons started becoming a thing, and like all of a sudden, like, Land of the Lost now is like this thing again because DVDs and you know it started bringing back all these shows. That was one of the cool side effects of DVDs is when they started packaging these shows together, and just people got obsessed with TV, old TV shows.
2: Yeah, I definitely would say that was the kickoff starting point of it. And then, and I started. I was asked to do like a couple of conventions uh, that were around where I was living at the time. I was living in Hollywood, and and I went to a couple of them. And then I we wound up doing some commentaries on the videos. And so I was seeing Wesley and Phil again, and I told them that I was doing these. Conventions. And then we all did maybe one together. Wesley and I started doing a few more. And then Phil would join us periodically. And so um, I started doing them first. And then those guys sort of came along. And now we did like a lot. I think we had 13 or 14 shows last year. That was quite a few. And that wasn't even our 50th. I can only imagine scheduling our our calendar starting to, you know, fill up. So we're excited. I got to. Go out on the road again. It's the best job in the whole wide world, if you could even call it a job.
1: Yeah, I'm excited. You guys are coming to Michigan, so I'm um, I mean, I'm really excited to meet you and Wesley and Phil and take a picture in that raft.
2: It's it's going to be one of the highlights. You know what it is. You know, it's one thing to get a picture and and take a picture with the celebrity and the you know those pictures where the person's pointing that everybody likes to point for some reason. Their uh-huh. face, their hand. <laughs> that's great. And if that's what somebody wants, then by all means, you get that. But the raft whole experience is that basically what, what we're asking you to do here put this life preserver on, hold this oar in your hand, sit in this position, make sure that your hand, when it goes in the air, isn't covering anybody's face. So that's sort of like blocking, right? And then at the count of three, we're all going to yell when we go over the raft. Well, you have just been in a scene. So let's take a look before anybody moves. Let's see what the dirt looks like. If you don't like it, we'll do it again. We're going over a thousand foot waterfall. And so he preps them Just We have a good time with our fans.
1: It looks like good,
2: good energy.
1: I've seen the pictures. It looks amazing. You know, there was just like a magic with the Land of the Lost show, the one in the 70s, I say 70s, because the reboots that they've tried to do just never really
2: kind of captured, I think,
1: the magic, you know? And
2: then that movie, oh, my God. A really bad choice. But the other TV show, it's really, I'm telling you, when we got cast, they, whoever picked all of us, they saw that chemistry.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. 50 years later... You know, like I said earlier, like I mentioned it to my friend and he just lit up.
2: Isn't that nutty? I, I see that a lot in my my you know circle, but it is kind of nutty to say it and people, because it, it brings back that feeling that we were talking about in early part of our conversation. Just there was a connection that we all had at that time. And anytime you can tap into that, that memory, it just, it, it makes you feel good. Makes you feel really good. The 70s were uh, unbelievable.
1: Amazing. Amazingly unbelievable. So many great memories for like for such a compact amount of time. The music, the clothes. I mean, it was just
2: movies. It was just fabulous.
1: (laughs) It was lucky to have lived at that moment of time.
2: Yeah, I love being groovy and bitching and far out boss and Cool. I loved all of that.
1: <laughs> Kathleen, thank you so much for hanging out with me. This was so fun.
2: My pleasure. And I know I yaked your ear off, but you know, like you said in the beginning to me, you can edit whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> you can magically wand me out of things if you want, but I enjoyed this. You're an easy person to talk to. You're a lot of fun. And I look forward to meeting you in Detroit.
1: I look forward to that as well.
2: 70s, right? Detroit
1: Rock City. Detroit Rock City. Oh, one last question. Your favorite dinosaur? me <laughs> Of course. Thank you. Yeah, you're
2: more than welcome.
1: All right. How amazing was Kathleen Coleman? So many great stories. I love Land of the Lost. Talking to Wesley and now Kathleen. Ah, such a joy. Such a joy. All right. If you love this interview, and I know you did, you have to run out. And by run out, I mean go to Amazon and order it online. Kathleen Coleman's memoir, Run, Holly, Run. You will not believe all the things that happened to Kathleen after Land of the Lost. If you love memoirs, if you love diving into people's lives, this book is for you. It's amazing. Run, Holly, Run. Well, the interview is over. I can't believe it. Another episode has flown by. Huge thank you to Kathleen Coleman for sharing all her great stories with me. Huge thank you to all of you for coming back week after week. It means the world to me. And I'll see you next time.
0: Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Classic Conversations. If you like what you heard, don't be shy and give us a follow on your favorite podcast app. Also, why not go ahead and tell all your friends about the show? You strike us as the kind of person that people listen to. Thanks in advance for spreading the word. And we'll catch you next time on Classic Conversations.